This is Ashley Babbitt, the woman who was shot and killed by Capitol Police on January 6th of this year. The mainstream media would like us to forget about her, forget about what happened, forget the fact that she was unarmed when Capitol Police opened fire. We will not forget her. We will not forget this story. In a little while, we will be joined by her husband, widower, Aaron Babbitt, later on the show. Also today, Richard Barnett, also goes by Big Low, the man who put his feet up on Ash, on, I'm sorry, on Nancy Pelosi's desk. So uh, he just got out of jail yesterday. He's been in captivity for almost four months, and now he's awaiting trial. He'll be joining us as well. In the meantime, let's go over a little bit. I thought it was a real dud. Did you watch it? Did you make it through? State of the Union, or I guess it's a technically a, an address to the joint session because he hasn't been president for all that long. Here he comes in. They were really conspicuous about that social distancing. Uh, what jumped out at me almost right away, what he did not talk about. We have no southern border, essentially. We have no idea how many people are in the country. He did not talk about the border crisis. Also, kids missing school. They're now entering their second year of this ludicrous situation. And no mention of that. He did talk a lot about handing out money. And my wife actually pointed out that it reminded her of something she heard in college. Let's put up the quote from the great economist Milton Friedman. When you start paying people to be poor, you wind up with an awful lot of poor people. Is that what could be happening here? Stay tuned. Uh, also, this got me, and it really jumped out, uh, how we so mischaracterized American history. 100 days since I took the oath of office and lifted my hand off our family Bible and inherited a nation, we all did, that was in crisis. The worst pandemic in a century, the worst economic crisis since the Great Depression, the worst attack on our democracy since the Civil War. Right there. The worst attack on our democracy since the Civil War. He's talking about January 6th. You know, as a New Yorker, as somebody who was here on 9-11, as somebody who was at ground zero on 9-11, I find that hugely offensive. And I think he's lying for political purposes. September 11th, 2001, just a couple of blocks from um, World Trade Center 7, just before it came down. Joe engaged in uh, a great deal of his typical deception and non sequiturs, and uh, listen to this. 12 years is no longer enough today to compete with the rest of the world in the 21st century. That's why my American family's plan guarantees four additional years of public education for every person in America, starting as early as we can. Am I nitpicking, but uh, 12 years is not enough, but it is enough for one of those environmental jobs that he's bragging about. And then there was this. Joe thinks to think that uh, those sitting in the room, senators, cabinet members, members of uh, the House, that's the country? Our Constitution opens with the words, as trite as it sounds, we the people. Well, it's time to remember that we the people are the government, you and I, not some force in a distant capital, not some powerful force that we have no control over. It's us. It's we the people. 
we the people are the government. Uh, I think that is uh, kind of odd. That's not what most of us think of when we think we the people. It's us, Joe, not people in the government. Um, so when he was making this speech, I thought back to the good old days when Joe was just a amiable guy from a nowhere state, sorry, Delaware, listening to the president give the big speech. You know, he's been in that room since the early 1970s, listening to presidents give the big speech. Richard Nixon, 1974, somewhere in this room is a young Joe Biden, a senator, enjoying the perks of being a senator and fantasizing probably about one day being president. All senators do that, by the way. And I wondered what other lessons was he learning about politics back then? It was different when Joe first started. Politics is kind of hardball, even more so than today. People in power often use the instruments of government to get back at their political enemies. I love Richard Nixon, but he was kind of famous for that. And then I thought about Rudy Giuliani. Rudy Giuliani, who worked for Donald Trump, is now being persecuted by the federal government. His house was searched yesterday. His office was searched yesterday. Here's the press camped out in front of his apartment. I think they're trying to do to him what they have done to so many people who have associated with President Trump. Criminalize them. Joseph Stalin said, show me the man, I'll show you the crime. Take a look at this. The government, they've tried to smear anybody who's associated with Donald Trump. And they try to get him in trouble for all kinds of things that have nothing to do often with Donald Trump. And that brings me back to Rudy Giuliani. You think Joe Biden and the DOJ, which we know can be very, very political, might they be thinking about him trying to get him after he said stuff like this? Biden has changed his principles so often, he no longer has any principles. He's a Trojan horse with Bernie, AOC, Pelosi, Black Lives Matter, and his party's entire left wing just waiting to execute their pro-criminal, anti-police, socialist policies. Talk about foreseeing, huh? Foretelling the future, right? He nailed it. That's last August. And then uh, closer to the election, Rudy Giuliani was brutal about Joe Biden. Biden was using his son in a horrible way as a bag man. You would think he would get some kind of a political flunky to be his bad man. But, he's, but instead, as his bag man, he used his son, who's afflicted with drug addiction. And over the period of years, he made the drug addiction much, much worse by having his son involved with some of the most crooked people in the world. Now, do you think Donald Trump knew or cared who uh, Joe Biden's lawyer was during the campaign? Probably not. But Joe Biden knew everything about Rudy Giuliani and what he was saying. Five former heads of the CIA, both parties, say what he's saying is a bunch of garbage. Nobody believes it except the, his and his good friend, Rudy Giuliani. You mean the laptop is now yeah. another Russia, Russia, Russia hoax? And you that's exactly be. what is this that's where you're exactly going? What this is going. where he's going. Rudy Giuliani, Mr. President, Mr. Vice President then. What did Rudy Giuliani do? Um, you know, he was America's hero. He still is in my book. Time Magazine, Man of the Year in the aftermath of September 11, 2001. What did he do? Why did the media start picking on him? Well, a couple of things. He is a Republican, after all. He ran for president once and an associate and friend of Donald Trump. And that's, <laughs> you know what they try to do with associates and friends 
of Donald Trump. And I know that Joe Biden knows how to play this game. We all do. Media overlooks it sometimes or just kind of sweeps it away. Joe Biden was in the Oval Office in early January in 2017 with Comey and the president when they were kicking around ways of how to get Michael Flynn. Now, Joe Biden was the lame duck vice president at the time, and he was kicking around the ideas with uh, the DOJ and the FBI. How do we get Mike Flynn? It's in Peter Strzok's notes. Take a look at this. Maybe we can get Flynn on the Logan Act, VP. Logan Act to prosecute Flynn. That's what they're talking about. Now, Joe Biden lied about this a lot. What did you know about those moves to investigate uh, Michael Flynn, and was there anything improper done? I know nothing about those moves to investigate Michael Flynn, number one. Number two, this is all about diversion. I do want to press that. You say you didn't know anything about it, but you were reported to be at a January 5th, 2017 meeting where you and the president were briefed on the FBI's plan to question Michael, Michael Flynn over those uh, conversations he had with the Russian ambassador Kislyak. Now, I thought you asked me whether or not I had anything to do with him being prosecuted. Okay. I'm sorry. I, I, I was aware that there was, that there, they asked for an investigation. But that's all I know about it. And I don't think anything else. <laughs> hey, George, I give him a hard time. He totally nailed uh, Biden there. Uh, yeah, he knew about it. He was suggesting ideas, according to the FBI's own notes. Now, why is this important to you and me? Well, listen to Andrew Giuliani. Uh, former Newsmax contributor, by the way, talk about what this means for you and me if they can go after the president's lawyer. Anybody, any American, whether you're red or blue, should be extremely disturbed by what happened here today, by the continued politicization of the Justice Department. This is disgusting. This is absolutely absurd. And it's the continued politicization of the Justice Department that we have seen. And it has to stop. If this can happen to the former president's lawyer, this can happen to any American. He's right. Andrew Giuliani, by the way, thinking about running for governor of New York State. Son of Rudy, I think that would be pretty cool. All right. In the meantime, later on the show, we will meet Aaron Babbitt, the husband of Ashley Babbitt, who was shot by Capitol Hill police on January 6th. Also, Richard Barnett, who put his feet up on Nancy Pelosi's desk and is finally, finally out of jail after nearly four months. All I can say is that the fake news just doesn't get it, do they? They don't. They do not. I think this is a good mini example. You tell me. Some people have been giving me a hard time about this. Who knows who Dax Shepard is? I'm not raising my hand because, uh, well, I don't know anything about him. But the Good Morning America show acted like this was uh, a combination of Orson Welles and George Clooney all wrapped up into one. Now we're going to turn to our GMA cover story, actor Dax Shepard. He's getting candid about his recent relapse after 16 years of sobriety, revealing in a new podcast how he and his wife Kristen Bell told their two children, the ring Shaw's in L.A., with the story. This morning, actor Dax Shepard revealing how he and wife Kristen Bell told their girls about his recent relapse after 16 years of sobriety. All right, when they all right. relapsed, we... So, well, daddy was that's enough of that. Now, number one, I want to wish Dax 
all the best in kicking his battle uh, with addiction. Uh, that's a real thing, and I do wish him the best. But it's interesting that they just say he's an actor, as if everybody in the world is supposed to know who this guy is. There's absolutely no context provided. What movies was he in? What TV shows? I'm not aware. So here it is. He was in, without a paddle, uh, Zathora, a space adventure, Idiocracy, Let's Go to Prison, and the remake of Chips in 2017. Um, now, I know some guys, some people, some women, some guys and girls love the guy and know all these movies. Not everybody does, huh? I found that interesting, and I also saw a disconnect once again between the media and the people. Does that make sense? Okay, I hope so. Also this, Tim Scott gave the rebuttal, the Republican rebuttal, to the president's speech last night. Uh, Republican of South Carolina, there he is, gave a great speech. But the mainstream media, again, uh, well, I think this is a pretty fundamental mistake out of Andrea Mitchell from NBC News. Senator Scott, who is very authentic and a very appealing spokesman for the Republican Party, especially, of course, on the issue of race, he's the only black Republican. Uh, but he was also saying that there is only 6% in the infrastructure or jobs bill that's really infrastructure. The Washington Post yep. already has a fact. See the problem there? Only black Republican. No, Andrea Mitchell, there are many black Republicans. Many, 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 many black Republicans. In fact, uh, Donald Trump uh, did very well with African-Americans uh, of both parties in the last election. So uh, he came after the State of the Union. Let's talk about the State of the Union for a moment uh, as Joe Biden comes in, all kind of conspicuously social distance and the fist bumps and the mask. Now, the coverage for Joe was very, very positive. Now, one possible, I don't know, factor at play here the anchors of the big networks get to sit down with the president at lunch before a speech like this. It's been going on since the days of Ronald Reagan, at least. Look at this. Ronald Reagan's with Tom Brokaw, Peter Jennings, Dan Rather, and the late, great Bernard Shaw in this photograph. Now, it's been done. Uh, last year, Newsmax got to sit at the table. I don't know what happened this year. But uh, does a free lunch lead to moments like this? Does it, Mr. Wallace? I think this is going to be a popular speech uh, with, with the American public. Uh, he offered a lot of stuff. You work trillion dollars or buy a lot of stuff uh, from millions of jobs to uh, child care to community health centers, all kinds of stuff, community colleges. Uh, and the other thing that's pretty popular is he said, you're not going to have to pay for it. And I think they've made a calculation that after COVID, that, that people have come to have a different feeling about government, that they now are, feel more trusting and more the need of government. Yeah, Chris, that's just what we like, free money, and uh, oh, we don't have to pay for it. That's great. Notice how he said they. He's talking about people. They. They. Not us, but them. They, the people. They're different from us here in the swamp. I thought that was interesting. Uh, let's see. Joe Biden got on the helicopter with uh, Jill and picked a flower for her, although it wasn't quite a flower. It's more like a weed. Take a look at this. <laughs> uh, something like a four-year-old would do. I don't know. I don't know. Is it sweet or is it weird? Uh, 
I'm going to say a little bit weird. Everybody knows those are. Uh, anyway, what's up with the lawn there? That's not the White House lawn. Apparently, it's the uh, the mall. They took off from the mall for some reason. Back to the State of the Union. One more thing here. You noticed how everybody was so social, socially distanced and really, really conspicuous about it. Who remembers that picture from election night? Remember Joe Biden hugging and kissing everybody in sight without a mask on? Never forget that picture. I think it reveals a lot. And never forget this statement from Anita Dunn, at least as reported in a book called Lucky by two Beltway reporters about the campaign. This is a Joe Biden's close associate, Dunn told one associate that campaign officials believed but would never say in public about the disease's effect on Biden's fortunes. COVID is the best thing that ever happened to him, she said. Huh? It's wild. It's probably true. We'll be right back with uh, Aaron Babbitt and also Richard Barnett, the guy with his feet up on Nancy's desk. If you've had it with the old news and the same spent, well, then Spicer and Company's your place for the inside story and for the facts that you need to know. Folks, this is, of course, Ashley Babbitt. If you've been watching this show, you know we've been talking a lot about her. She's the woman who was shot and killed, even though she was unarmed, on Capitol Hill on January 6th. Did you know that she was a veteran of the United States Air Force and deployed to Iraq and Afghanistan? She was 35 years old and left behind uh, her husband, Aaron Babbitt, who joins us right now. Aaron, uh, thank you very much for joining us. We are so sorry for your loss. How are you, sir? And welcome to Newsmax. Thank you for having me, Greg. So, Mr. Babbitt, Aaron, um, one thing that has kind of flummox me and confuse me since the very beginning how little attention has been given to your late wife. We know, we all saw it. She was unarmed when she was shot and killed by a Capitol Hill police officer. And for the life of me, I don't understand why more people are not concerned about this, not talking about it. What are your thoughts, please? Um, for all intents and purposes, I guess it's just not um, sexy enough to fit the narrative um, that's going on right now. Um, they're, they're just lambasting her um, on social media and mainstream news. Um, you know, the term insurrectionist keeps getting thrown around, rioter. Um, to me, she was just a uh, blue collar American veteran. And I wanted her voice to be heard, and nobody was listening. You were not uh, on Capitol Hill yourself. You were not in Washington that day. Uh, she was. I want to show this video of an officer who seemed to be waving people into the Capitol. And we, we've seen footage like this. Uh, this is not the only example, but the security was so lax. And at this point, some official person in uniform seems to be encouraging people to make their way into the Capitol. At another point, I see people walking directly by Capitol Hill police officers. So if you could speak to that a bit, you have heard, again, the term insurrectionist and rioters. There are plenty of people who walked in because they were allowed to. Yeah, and, um, you know, if you listen to, if you watch any of the videos, you know, my wife posted, they're 
all over the place at this point. Um, she specifically said she just finished watching the president speak. Um, it's my understanding that the majority of any violence that happened at the Capitol happened prior to the president um, being done speaking. Um, and then I've also seen a video, um, can't find it anywhere now, but it's, uh, it's an overhead of inside the Capitol and you can see my wife calmly walking through the red velvet ropes, taking a video, you know, just walking very calmly with everybody else. I mean, she wasn't violent. She wasn't there to hurt anybody. Now, I know this is tough, but I, we do have a, a screenshot of the officer holding the gun that he, uh, at the moment he fired the weapon at Ashley. And I know it's tough, but this is the moment when it happened. Now, she was, it looked like, trying to crawl through a, or, or jump through a window um, yeah. that was on a door. I mean, she was trying to get to the other area, which apparently was restricted, correct? That's, yes, I mean, that's apparently that's where that is. I'm not familiar with the Capitol layout. I'm not, I've never been inside that building in my life. Um, but I've seen the pictures that you've seen. Um, nothing, nothing she did that day warranted to be, you know, one shot, one kill, just executed. Agreed, sir. I mean, again, she is unarmed and she's jumping through a window. Restricted. With her hands on the, her hands on the, on the door. And we always hear, show me your hands, show me your hands. Her hands are visible. So I don't see any justification at all. Uh, I know they're not criminally charging this officer, uh, whose name we don't know for sure, officially. Do you happen to know the officer's name? No, there's been no official um, word from anybody in a position of authority or capacity that has come on and said this gentleman's name. So... At this point, you are suing the, and, and there's been some conflicting reports here. So you are suing the Capitol Hill police officer in question or the Capitol Hill Police Department for uh, roughly $12 million. No, I see, I don't, I, I've not heard any of that. So I, I think some of this is just hearsay. Um, yes, there obviously there is going to be some type of civil um, action coming, but I've heard of no dollar amount, and it's not been filed as of yet. Has anyone explained to you what happened? Um, you certainly are entitled to an explanation. Um, has anyone reached out from the Capitol Police or uh, any any no. government? No. The only the only um, officers, he's a detective that I heard from, was actually Metro PD. Um, nobody from the Capitol Police Department. Uh, one congressman called me that night on the 6th, and it was Congressman Issa. And uh, he was actually confused as to why he was calling me, because I don't live in his district. Um, and I figured out later it's because my business is in his district. But uh, I never heard from the congressman that, you know, I live in his district. So, again, when we... Uh, I do want to ask you again about the... The moment there, uh, this officer opens fire. She's unarmed. And then the next morning, I was, this is what really grabbed me. I was watching live television and the Today Show and all the morning shows were there. And they weren't talking about that a woman was killed. A Trump supporter, no. I, perhaps that's why they found this not interesting or not worthy of reporting. 
but they were ignoring it and everybody knew it. And I couldn't believe it. I saw Savannah Guthrie in front of Capitol Hill for an hour and she didn't mention anything about what we all knew, that a person was shot and killed unarmed in that building right behind her. You say it doesn't fit the narrative, but still, I just don't see how anyone denies reality. And you see how fast they cleaned up that scene. I mean, they had my, my wife's blood off that ground as quick as they could. They pulled her body from that floor as quick as they could. They carried her upside down like they were draining out of deer. You know, anybody with basic medical experience can tell you, elevate that wound, and they, they, they carried her. They carried her upside down, and they really wanted to get her out of there as fast as they could, and that's not to save her life. They just wanted to erase that from that moment of time. Sir, we want to highlight that there is a GoFundMe page. We all know that with the death, there are all kinds of unexpected expenses and all kinds of things pop up. Ashley Babbitt, official memorial. Um, anyone can, can donate, and also if folks want an update on on this, there is a Twitter account, Justice for Ashley. Let's go ahead and put that up on the screen. Well, it's right there, at for Ashley. You can follow the developments. And in our remaining time, sir, if you could just tell me, um, all I know about your wife is the, she was a veteran and, uh, and what happened on that day. Anything you'd like to share about Ashley, please? She was a beach girl. We'd spend all, we live at the beach. We'd spend every day down at the beach that we could. Sunsets, go to breweries, you know, we just definitely embedded ourselves in our neighborhood and everybody loved her. Um, there's nothing really more that she loved more. You're showing a picture of her dog. Uh, her dog died of a broken heart in February because she didn't come home. Um, she loved talking to people with uh, opposing views and, you know, that was her favorite thing to do. And after that, it was... Let's go drink a beer together, friend, you know? And my wife was a very magnanimous, large ball of energy in a very small package. Um, and a lot of people are reeling from the loss of her that the, the void is insurmountable, unexplainable. Um, but we wake up every day missing her. Well, it's amazing, sir, to me. First of all, I'm, I'm, I'm terribly sorry for your loss, but it's amazing that this is not an issue that people aren't discussing, certainly in the media. We all saw what happened. She was uh, possibly where she shouldn't have been, but she uh, was unarmed and uh, did not pose an immediate threat to anybody, and no one's talking about it, and it's very, very troubling to me. That's very strange. Let's keep in touch. Uh, let's keep in touch, if you uh, wouldn't mind, Mr. Babbitt. Please. Um, I would love to. I'd love to have you back, and we, uh, we will cover whatever development happens, okay? Excellent. Thank you, Greg. You bet. Thank you, Mr. Babbitt, Aaron Babbitt, husband of the late Ashley Babbitt, and we'll be right back. So this might be one of the most famous pictures from that situation on Capitol Hill on January 6th. That is Richard Barnett with his feet up on Nancy Pelosi's desk. Now, looks like he might have been having a good time at that time, but ever since, he's been in a lot of trouble. He was identified through facial recognition technology, and lots of folks knew who he was. He turned himself in to authorities on January 8th, and he was just released, I believe, yes, some of them. 
uh, everything from obstruction of an official proceeding, uh, disorderly and disruptive conduct. It goes on and on and on. Uh, next slide. Uh, you can see this. This is a federal case, and he's facing time in prison, potentially. But Richard Barnett joins us right now. Mr. Barnett, welcome to Newsmax, along with your lawyers, Joseph McBride and Stephen Metcalf. Welcome to you all. And uh, first to you, Mr. Barnett, you've been in prison jail for almost four months. How does it feel to be out? Oh, it's fantastic. I've got to tell you, I'm reunited with my wife. I'm anxious to get home and see my uh, my, my daughter and my, my pets. And uh, it was a tough road to hoe, but uh, I made it through and I'm really excited to be out. Can I get your thoughts on, you've been in custody almost four months. Uh, there's no evidence of you specifically uh, hurting anybody or breaking anything. There are suspected murderers who have secured bail before uh, earlier, sooner than four months. And you've been sure. in custody all this time. Right. My thoughts. Um, first off, thank you for having me on. You bet. Um, yeah. Um, it's out there. I threw a hissy fit at one of my court hearings. <laughs> you know, it was tough. Uh, you know, I'm watching these other people go out. Not only did I not get violent, uh, you know, I did what I could to, to help officers at certain points. And, uh, uh, you know, it, it's good to be out now. I don't have a lot to say about it. That will be dealt with. I haven't been to trial yet. But, uh, but, but yeah, I felt like it was up there. Do you have any regrets? Right, that's not something that we're going to get into right now as far as regrets, especially uh, with Richard's state of mind. No regrets. You're not going to say anything at this point about that. I understand you got a legal case. Anything you can, anything you say can and will be used against you. I have that. So I'll ask uh, your lawyer then, uh, and we'll go back to the picture. Some people noticed um, uh, an instrument, a device of some kind on uh, Mr. Barnett's belt. Uh, some say it's a stun gun. I, I hear others say it's a cane. What was it and what was Mr. Barnett's uh, intention uh, with that? So, uh, Greg, once again, good to be on. As discussed in our papers uh, at length, the device was a multi-use tool, a walking stick stun gun slash flashlight. Um, it had three purposes. Mr. Barnett uh, brought it for... Uh, to use primarily as a walking stick. There was a concern, um, admittedly, about uh, Antifa protesters and possible violent acts. He did not see any of those things upon his arrival the day before at the Capitol. And because of that, and because he just needed a walking stick for the next day, he went to the January 6th event with the stun gun portion of the device disabled. We stand by that comment. We have, uh, you know, stood by that since the beginning. We will stand by that through the end. The evidence will support uh, our statement, and we hope to bring that out at trial. Now, Mr. Barnett, I saw a picture of you holding up a letter uh, that I think was addressed to Nancy Pelosi. You spoke about that letter on January 6th. The camera tracked you down, and uh, here's what you had to say. How'd you get it? I didn't steal it. I bled on it because they're facing me, and I couldn't see and so I figured, well, I'm in her office. I got blood in her office. I'll put a quarter on her desk, even though she ain't worth it. <laughs> I, I understand you did not open that letter and you turned it in when you turned yourself in on January 8th. What's up with the blood? You mentioned blood from yourself. What, what happened to you? 
Yeah, you know, this is okay. I, I, want, I want people to know. Uh, uh, when I was at the Capitol, I, I didn't go there to storm the Capitol. Uh, I'd lost, we were walking back from the Washington Monument and from the, uh, the peaceful protest. And I was with a couple of gentlemen that I knew. And we were going back to our cars to go home. And we got separated because of the melee that was going on. Um, I walked to the top of those steps because we had a code that if we got lost, wave flag and we'll find each other. At that point, uh, I was uh, uh, a crowd rushed me. I was knocked into the building. I fell and was trampled, and I cut myself. And we're, we're going to leave that there for obvious reasons, Stephen. And, okay, and fair Greg. enough, fair enough. Gentlemen, we have a few more things to get through, and I, I appreciate that you have both of your attorneys with you. You left a note, um, Richard, uh, for Nancy Pelosi, and we actually have it, and I know that this has been submitted and reviewed by the authorities. Uh, hey, Nancy, uh, Big O was here, and I know, Richard, that's your, that's your nickname. And then it's signed, um, or Big O was here. There are two interpretations of the next word. It could be biatch or... B-I-T-C-H. Uh, which is it, and uh, what, what is the significance of that, please? This comment and the interpretation of this has been interpreted completely differently than how it should and how our papers laid it out. The government used this as an exhibit and as their first focal point in trying to show that Richard was dangerous. We simply pointed out as Joseph and I do in our cases, we pointed out that there was a misrepresentation on how that was specifically quoted. And we are going to continue to do that throughout the entire course of this case, no matter how minute that point is. Okay, and they, yeah. they, I understand. The government said, I'm just going to say the word bitch, that he wrote bitch, B-I-T-C-H, and he, said, he actually wrote biatch, which would be uh, less uh, inflammatory, perhaps a little bit nicer, uh, more slang, not as vulgar. And that's interesting. Some people are laughing at it. I think it's a, uh, a, a valid point. I want to go to you, sir. Uh, Richard, if, you can, if I can get your response. I'm sorry. If I, I want your response on this and if your lawyers want to jump in. But uh, as you know, Donald Trump issued several pardons to uh, people, many pardons, actually. Did you ask for a pardon, and did you feel that you were entitled to a pardon? Okay. First off, I have all the respect in the world for, for President Trump. Uh, I think he's a great man. I believe in him. Uh, at the time uh, that I went to the Capitol, absolutely. At that time, I did feel like the, uh, the election was stolen. Um, at this point, uh, I don't have any ill will towards him. I did not ask for a pardon. However, I do have questions. So, uh, President Trump, if you get a chance, I'd love to talk to you. Give my attorneys a call. Now, some people, some people who are in your boat, and there are still people in jail right now who haven't been released, who are arrested even before you, who are still in, in custody. Um, do you think Donald Trump, some of them are saying Donald Trump told us to go to the Capitol, that he told us to do this. What do you, are you saying that? Greg, at this time... Yeah, the, sta the statements have been have been clear and on camera. Donald Trump did say, hey, let's go down to the Capitol. We'll come with you. And no, we are not saying and it's not our position that Donald Trump said invade the Capitol or do any harmful things or uh, to the Capitol or the property. So that is not a position that we are going to be setting forth.
By the way, I just want to make clear, Mr. Barnett, um, I have a lot of sympathy for you and what you've gone through. I don't think you should have been kept in custody. You may have made some mistakes that day, and uh, we'll see what happens. But I think it's ridiculous that you were in custody for as long as you were. And uh, I'm glad to see you're finally out. Um, you're going to go back to Arkansas now. Uh, what's left? Uh, is it true that your employer terminated you, fired you? Um. Uh, I'm an independent contractor. I did have a contract with them. That contract has been terminated, but I also have another business I'm very passionate about, so I'm doing fine. I'm very excited about getting home and seeing my daughter, my pets. Uh, look, I'm an everyday guy just like the rest of you. You know, there's been a lot said about me here by people who don't even know me making accusations. Uh, but I'm excited to go home. Uh, we'll hopefully continue this conversation later. And Greg, Thank you so much for giving me a chance to be on your program and uh, and talk to you. You bet. You bet, sir. Uh, thank you, gentlemen. Take care now, and I'll be right back. Welcome back. Grant Stinchfield is standing by for a preview of his show tonight. Hello, Grant. Hey, Greg. So uh, you and I both know this war on cops is absolutely real. I don't know if you saw the story about this deputy marshal out of Bellevue, Washington, suspended, Greg, for basically doing a mock video of NBA cop-hating LeBron James. So this marshal is suspended. And so my question now is, are police departments bowing to this anti-cop mob? We're going to break all that down for you on the show tonight. Is the video funny? I want to see this thing. Is it good? You know, it actually is funny. And really, Greg, it's harmless. It just calls into light kind of what officers have to go through. To me, I think it did more good to the public than bad. Um, I'll send it to you, though. Uh, I'd love to see it. And, uh, and I'll be watching tonight. Grant, have a great show. Thanks great. so much. So last night, Senator Tim Scott, Republican of South Carolina, delivered the uh, rebuttal, essentially, to uh, Joe Biden. And I thought he was great. Made some really interesting points. Republicans support making it easier to vote and harder to cheat. And so do the voters. Big majorities of Americans support early voting and big majorities support voter ID, including African-Americans and Hispanics. All true. Why do you think Democrats don't like the new Georgia voting law, though? Huh? I'd like to bring in Clea Mitchell. She is an election attorney who is part of President Trump's volunteer legal team in Georgia which documented all kinds of things that happened in 2020. And uh, we'll talk about the future as well. Welcome, Cleta. How are you? I'm good. Nice to see you and talk to you. So, Cleta, unlike, I think, uh, anybody else in the media, I read all 95 pages of that Georgia voting law. I'm not a lawyer. It's tough to read, but it seemed pretty straightforward and, you know, reasonable to me. It is very reasonable, and it has things in it that uh, the vast majority of the American people support. It, it, it provides, uh, it expands early voting. It provides for a ballot depositories to be in every county, uh, which has not been the law before. It requires two Saturdays of early voting, so it does make it easier to vote. But it also makes it harder to cheat. It extends Georgia's photo ID uh, law for voting in person to voting absentee, and it strengthens this, the requirements for identifying your, uh, for verifying your identity if you want to vote by mail. And it has a, a number of other provisions that are really important. It prohibits the private funding 
from flowing into the election system as it did in Georgia and other states when Mark Zuckerberg and his wife gave $500 million in order to influence the elections and turn out, use the election offices in key inner cities and Democratic counties to really converted those into Democratic voter turnout machines mm. using absentee ballots, sending election, hiring workers to go door to door collecting ballots. That is not what the election office is supposed to be paid for by left wing money uh, donated by uh, uh, Mark Zuckerberg and Georgia and other states are outlawing that. Texas just passed a law today. Yeah. So, Cleta, yeah. you actually mentioned, you know, they throw around Jim Crow and, and Joe Biden likes to say Jim Crow on uh, on steroids or something like that. Jim Crow actually does somewhat apply, but not in the way that Joe Biden thinks. Can you tell, give us a little background on what Jim Crow, a lot of people use the term, what party actually brought it about and how it applies or doesn't apply to what's happening today? Well, number one, the Democrats ought to know Jim Crow because they invented it <laughs> after the Civil War when, uh, in order to be readmitted to the Union, the Confederate states had to agree to the 13th Amendment that outlawed slavery. They had to agree to the 14th Amendment that guaranteed equal protection to former slaves, uh, African-Americans, and the 15th Amendment, which uh, conferred the right to vote to former slaves who were men. It took the 19th Amendment to extend to women. But the Jim Crow laws were invented by uh, Southern Democrats because Black people began running for office, voting, and guess what? They were running and getting elected as Republicans. And the Southern uh, Democrats said, we're not having any of that. And they instituted these laws, the poll tax, all of the things that were ke keeping blacks from being able to vote and to hold office. And they enforced that with lynchings and white robes and burning crosses. And they did that for 100 years. And for them to now come and say that, Having to show a photo ID in order to vote, exercise that precious right to vote one during the civil rights movement, is really insulting. Cleta Mitchell, we're glad you're on the case. Please stay on it. Thank you so much to be continued. We have one poll as we go to break. I'd like to show everybody uh, photo ID to vote. 77% of Americans favor this, overwhelmingly so. You need a photo ID to do just about anything, and you can get them for free. We'll be right back. Closed captioning brought to you by Pray.com, the number one app for daily prayer and bedtime Bible stories. Bring light to your day. Strengthen your spirit. Download Pray.com right now, the number one app for daily prayer. Selling a home is expensive and stressful, so we set out to create a better home selling experience with a network of the most successful real estate agents in America that'll sell your home for as little as a 2% commission. The icing on the cake with the ideal agent was that we saved $12,000 in commissions. We would definitely use Ideal Agent again. They, they, the whole process was so positive for us. Excellent, excellent service. Getting right to the point, hiring Ideal Agent, I wish we would have done that sooner and we would have saved six months of, you know, of time and mortgage payments that would have probably never happened if we would have just gone with them first. They were so stress-free, the whole process was amazing, and I would definitely recommend them. We certainly recommend Ideal Agent now to all of our family, all of our friends. It's just a great experience. We are not a discount brokerage. These are top local agents that'll get you the best results. Hi, I'm Chris Cox. President Trump was the greatest president of our lifetime lifting up all Americans by creating the greatest economy in history. He stood for the American worker through his America First agenda. 
Bikers for Trump is leading the charge to draft President Trump to run and win again in 2024. But we need to hear the voices of millions of Trump supporters. We need Trump back in the White House in 2024, and it starts with your phone call. Please pick up the phone and call the number on your screen and let President Trump know that you support him in his re-election in 2024. Call now. We need President Trump to run again in 2024, and it starts with your phone call. Please call 800-804-8468 to show your support for President Trump's re-election in 2024. Call 800-804-8468. 800-804-8468. Paid for by Bikers for Trump, which is responsible for the content of this message. Everybody has sunglasses, but most sunglasses just make everything darker and are useless when it comes to blinding glare. Not these. Nick Bolton here with the latest from Bell & Howell. We call them Tack Glasses. Inspired by the sunglasses worn by our heroes in uniform, Tack Glasses can do things no ordinary sunglasses can do, like block blinding glare so well, invisible objects suddenly become visible. Look, ordinary sunglasses just make things darker, which could be deadly in a tactical situation. Tack glasses improve optical clarity so you can see clearly, even in low light. If you've never seen how this light filtering technology works, check this out. Nothing to see, right? But look again as we hold up our tack glasses. A colorful American Eagle is revealed. Amazing. Take a look at the screen. Yes. What do you see? I see a plain white screen. It's just a plain white screen. Now look up through our sunglasses. Whoa, this is cool. How does it do that? That is so awesome. What? Oh my. Whoa, what? That is so cool. That is amazing. How does it do that? Like an eagle pops out of nowhere. Very, very cool. Whether you're on the trail or on the golf course, on the water or on the slopes, with tack glasses, you'll always see clearly without any glare. There's just nothing like it on the market today. Act now to get your tack glasses for just $19.99 with free shipping. We'll also include a blank card that reveals our American Eagle when you put on your tack glasses. Order today and you can also get our night vision tack glasses. Just pay a separate fee. They help protect your natural night vision to improve optical clarity and low light. You can get both. So don't delay. Here's how to order. To order, call 1-800-854-6176 or go to TryTacGlasses.com. Again, that's 1-800-854-6176 or order online at TryTacGlasses.com. That's 1-800-854-6176. Our thanks to all of our guests, uh, particularly Aaron Babbitt, husband of Ashley Babbitt. This is the GoFundMe page. They are raising money, so many expenses associated with this uh, tragedy that they had to endure. So I hope you'll support that. And thank you for supporting us here at Newsmax. We'll see you tomorrow.